Hello and Namaste everyone. This is your host Mrinal Vashisht and welcome to Vidura Watch podcast. As I said earlier, like Prime Minister Vidura of Mahabharata, we will also bring out certain blunt facts in front of you. So today we are going to deal with a very important topic on why and how Khalsa was formed and certain misconceptions regarding the same. To break down the same, we have a special guest with us, Adarsh Jha. Adarsh is currently pursuing engineering with a prestigious university and is also an important contributor to a not-for-profit knowledge platform known as Upward. He also contributes to a media platform called Chakshu Media, which is a knowledge-sharing platform helping to break many myths which surrounds us, political and cultural. Welcome, Adarsh. It's great to have you here at Vidur Vaj Podcast. Thank you, Manal, for inviting me to the podcast. Great. So, uh, Adarsh, uh, shall we begin with our yeah. today's topic? Yes. Uh, so, today we'll be discussing the inception of Khalsa. As we all know, today Khalsa is synonymous with Sikhism. However, Sikhism owes its origin to the birth of Guru Nanak in the year 1469. And the order of Khalsa officially came into being in the year 1699. That is almost 230 years later. So, we'll be looking into what led to its formation. In the 12th year of his reign as the 6th Mughal Emperor, Aurangzeb embarked on a religious aim of converting his empire into an ideal Islamic state. The ruler of such a state is God himself, the Islamic God, while hmm. the civil administration is a mere enforcer of the commandment. One's loyalty towards the sovereign is measured by one's faith in the one true God, the same Islamic one true God. His belief in him, if you are not a believer, is equivalent to sedition and hence punishable. To eradicate infidelity in his realm, Emperor Aurangzeb issued his infamous imperial orders. He ordered his governor to demolish the schools and temples of infidels and strongly put down their teachings and religious practices. Along with that, he pulled down several Hindu temples and reimposed the religious tax Jaziya on Hindus. These acts thronged him into a volatile political conflict on several fronts for the rest of his life. Hindu kings as well as the common populace engaged in bloody battles for the protection of their faith. Meanwhile, Sikhs were going through a tumultuous time as multiple claimants had entered the scene trying to replace Guru Tegh Bahadur. For your listeners, Guru Tegh Bahadur was a ninth Sikh Guru. They had employed all sorts of intrigues against him. But Guru Tegh Bahadur successfully managed to bring required stability and ordered order among Sikhs. When Guru Tegh Bahadur returned to Punjab, he saw the unfortunate condition of his people as Aurangzeb's Farman had dictated to the dictated the governor to destroy the temple of Sikhs and expel Guru's agent from the city, from cities who were there to collect tithes and presents for the faithful of the faithful. Okay. In those days, Guru's presence provided the much-needed solace to the people and shone like a beacon of hope for the faithful. Historian J.S. Greval and S.S. Bal in their book Guru Gobind Singh, a biographical study, writes that while Aurangzeb was fighting a battle at the Afghan front, Guru Tegh hmm. Bahadur set out for his tour of the Malwa region of Punjab. Okay. During that tour, his number of followers grew multiple folds and many people converted to the Sikh faith. Mm-hmm. Those included, I mean, that included Muslims as well. Okay, that is, this is interesting. So, so I, I guess, I guess this, this, this must have antagonized the Mughals. Right. Mm. So, Aurangzeb was infuriated by such an act and he immediately ordered the Guru to be arrested. 
however by the time his order came to the governors uh, the tour has ended and the order could not have been executed so in the year 1675 i think that is next year from yeah. his, his second tour so guru went on his next tour this time he was invited by sikh sangat at agra so he was visiting a sikh sangat his followers at agra okay okay and he was oblivious to the orders which was which were against him from the emperor himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when he reached agra he was arrested along with his five companions and all six people were escorted to delhi okay and so i think i think don't you think that was that was a bit of mistake on his part to directly go to agra i mean which was very near to delhi basically yeah uh, i mean agra was also uh, i don't i think it was an administrative capital of aurangzeb yeah aurangzeb right right uh, mm. so maybe maybe the uh, what i can say, i can only speculate that uh, he was not aware of that orders but hmm. uh, historians differ on that opinion also so okay so, but the basic the point is that he was attending a sikh sangat he was attending his followers he was not visiting aurangzeb hmm right right so he and he, there was already an arrest order against him so understood so, coming, coming back to the point yeah um, he was brought to delhi and his companions were tortured to death uh, it was done in order to force the force guru tegh bahadur into submitting to islam which he refused and as we all know he attained martyrdom right so there comes a popular story i mean uh, about kashmiri pandits hmm right it is it is very famous actually i see uh, a lot in social media that it was uh, it was guru uh, tej bahadur who basically not, not, saved kashmiri hindus or kashmiri pandits specifically not just uh, on social media but not just on social media but even uh, harsimrat kaur bhadal said that in parliament <laughs> Oh yeah that was uh, I remember that famous speech of hers uh, and it was a bit shocking actually uh, but yeah I mean so, this is so what's the what's 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 the truth behind it is it is it true or uh, is, is it again a misconception it is it is a misconception but it's a very popular misconception okay. even even the best of historians have ignored this story like uh, even jadunath sarkar writes that he died for kashmiri pandits now oh okay no sarkar also doesn't cite anything mm-hmm. he just he just relied on the story which has been written by macaulay yeah. oh. or written by macaulay in his book the sikh religion so he relied on that only okay i i think the first time uh, i came to know about this i mean i heard the popular story earlier as well but the first time i came to know that this is a myth and this is a misconception was mm-hmm. from an article by pro uh, indology in 2017 something was there on his okay. blog okay okay i don't know whether, whether it's still there or not mm-hmm. but uh, and before that it was in 2011 when dr conrad els first wrote about it that it's mm. a myth it's a myth right okay so, okay so uh, i mean for your listeners i'll narrate the story once again yeah yeah so as the as the popular story goes that in year 1675 a group of kashmiri pandits who have been victim of islamic terror approached guru tegh bahadur and requested him to protect them hmm. then on the divine uttering of his 9 year old son he agreed to help them and said that they must convey to aurangzeb that if he were to convert tegh bahadur to islam pandits would follow the suit okay so and, and 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 that 9 year old son was uh, guru gobind guru. singh ji right okay hmm. so the entire conversation of Uh, pandits and guru tegh bahadur emanates from a text which primarily focuses on the divinity of sikh gurus and 
that text was written almost a century later and okay but there is no primary source of that and other historical facts do not corroborate any such happening so mm-hmm. the point here is that guru tegh bahadur's arrest was ordered not because he raised the voice of kashmiri pandits but uh-huh. because he had raised he had gained a lot of followers which even included muslims muslims yeah and and and, and unfortunately uh, while attending sikh sangat in agra i mean he was present in agra which was very much nearby uh, yeah. the 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 erstwhile capital of mughals right hmm, right 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 this this actually makes sense right so he he was and also he was not going to mughal court hmm. for raising the issues of kashmiri pandit right he okay. was visiting sikh sangat when he was arrested hmm. also as i mentioned earlier that none of the historians have presented any primary evidence to suggest that any such thing ever happened about the kashmiri pandits so we can conclude that the story of protecting kashmiri pandits is historically inaccurate hmm. and concoct uh, in fact concocted uh, by vested interest in fact uh, almost 100 years later it comes up for the first time Hmm. Whatever be the reasons, well, that is not the point. We'll digress from the question. Right, 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 right. So coming back to the uh, subject, which is Khalsa. Hmm. So hmm. what happened? What happens after Guru Tegh Bahadur's martyrdom is that his that Guru Gobind Singh, his son, succeeded him as the tenth Guru of Sikhs. Hmm. As he was still in his childhood, there was a chance of Mughal trying to capture him. So he and his followers shifted to Ponta from Ponta from Anandpur. Understood. Khushwant Singh writes the here Guru Gobind Singh learned to write and shoot as well as compose several poems these poems also include those uh, where he glorified Hindu deities okay so okay understood that he wrote the mm-hmm. so we can conclude that it was basically uh, a kind of a literary exercise rather than mm-hmm. a devotional one that will be fair a, enough moving ahead uh, meanwhile Aurangzeb got entangled in a battle with Rajputs after the death of Jaswant Singh Rathod of Marwar Hmm. And there was a rebellion by his son Akbar. From okay. there, he moved to Deccan with a large army, where he ended up in a battle for the next twenty-seven years. Uh, he was fighting Marathas. Right. Of, and he never returned to north. That is a fact. So in absolutely, absolutely, he died in he died near Aurangabad. And right. We still have a we still have a small shrine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For him. Mausoleum for him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so it's a uh, it's a known fact that. After 1681, Aurangzeb never came back to Delhi. To Delhi. Hmm. So Aurangzeb's departure from the north was a huge relief to Sikhs, uh, as it absolutely as it diverted the Mughal pressure on them. Hmm. At the same time, the situation was changing rapidly in Punjab. Sikhs had gained a considerable political influence, backed by the military, hmm. uh, which became a huge cause of concern for the local Hindu kings. Uh, okay. So particularly the Hind the king of Kahlur state Bhimchand, in whose territory. Anandpur was located. Uh, oh. saw, saw the consolidation as a direct threat to his sovereignty, and numerous tussles between him and Sikhs ensued over the years. Historian Hari Ram Gupta writes that Bhimchand was successful in forming a united front of fellow kings by calling Guru Gobind Singh an enemy of their religion, as Guru was opposed to idol worship. Understood. Yeah, right, right. Sikh, Sikh forbidden idol worship too. So Sikhism. Uh, right. So, uh, huh. So, if we consider what Hari Ram Gupta is saying, or what he has written as true, this was not the first instance where Sikhs have been called, called as the as the one who opposed idol worship, right? Right, right. So the people who said that Zafarnama was concocted, Zafarnama was uh, distorted or something, there is no evidence to suggest that. I mean, like, okay. 
people say that uh, guru gobind singh cannot write the verse of zafarnama where he called himself uh, destroyer of idols oh okay okay so the thing is that there is evidence that even before writing zafarnama almost 20 years before he wrote zafarnama mm. it was evident mm. local hindu kings that the sikhs opposed idol worship so so there were there were two different uh, streams right mm. and it was evident from that time only oh, however right. so bhimchand was able to uh, put up a united front of fellow hindu kings however he was not able to he was not successful in his endeavor of removing sikhs from the territory or punjab or and mm. sikhs gained an even more firm position at anandpur now what happened yeah. the hill rajas following their old tradition of rebelling against moguls stopped paying the annual tribute to them Hmm. Now, hmm. Mughals responded by launching an offensive, but Hill Rajas were able to put up a united front, and this time they it included six as well. So they successfully, okay. uh, ultimately they successfully resisted that attack. Though the resistance hmm. was successful, it could not have been carried out for long. Therefore, hmm. the confederate of Hill Rajas chose uh, a strategic retreat and entered into negotiation with Mughal commanders. Okay. Now the negotiations brought a temporary peace between the. Hill Rajas and the Mughals, and a fresh conflict broke out two years later again. Again between them. Yeah. Okay. So this time the Sikhs chose not to join the Hill Rajas and maintained a neutral position. Okay. Okay. Aurangzeb, who was having a tough time in Deccan, ordered his son Muazzam, who later became Bahadur Shah, Emperor Bahadur Shah. Mm-hmm. He ordered his son to go and crush the rebellion. So Muazzam came and he crushed the rebellion. At the same time. He reciprocated the friendly gesture of Sikhs by leaving their territory unharmed. Hmm, because they were because they were they were neutral because neutral. Right. Hmm. right. So Hariram Gupta writes that Muazzam had great respect for Sikhs, which led to an amicable relation with Guru Gobind Singh. His amicable relation with Guru Gobind Singh. Mm-hmm. The conflict between Hill Rajas and the Mughal authorities gave Guru Gobind Singh ample time to formalize the structure of the institution, which came to be known as Khalsa. So he okay. formalized the structure. So uh, as we have discussed earlier, that uh, one of the biggest achievement of guru tegh bahadur was that he was able to bring stability to the order of sikh hmm. right right i think i mean he was the one who initiated right. uh, the khalsa uh, in in in, in sikhism he, he no no uh, guru tegh bahadur his father brought order okay right and guru gobind singh was the one who formalized it gave the final structure Right. Mm-hmm. Understood. So on the day of Baisakhi in 1699, mm-hmm. a large congress of Sikhs took place at Anandpur. Here, Guru mm-hmm. Gobind Singh incorporated the order of Khalsa by baptizing his followers and gave final shape to the religion of ten gurus. So evident from his address, where he said, and I quote, "Do not follow the old scripture. Let no one pay heed to the Ganga and other places of pilgrimage, which are considered holy in the Hindu religion." or adore the hindu deities such as ram krishna brahma and durga but all should believe in guru nanak and his successors good mm. now kushwan singh writes that this address is based on the news report of a news writer sent to the mughal court and is vouched and is vouched for by the persian historian gulam mohiti okay so that is kind of it actually it's an official record right It's going to hmm. Mughal court. Mughal court, right? right. And uh, and Kushwan Singh further says that the results were visible within a few months of uh, the famous bap- uh, baptismal ceremony, when okay. a when a sect of pacifists was suddenly transformed into a militant brotherhood of crusaders. Hmm. So they were they are now the hills around Anandpur began to echo the beating of the war drums and military commands. Right. right. The right. form uh, there was a formal military structure to the religion now. Hmm. Now this change further heightened the insecurity. of Bhimchand and other neighboring rajas yeah. so a fresh so a fresh series of conflict erupted 
and over the next 6 years khalsa fought several battles against the hill rajas now this time the hill rajas were aided by the moguls oh interesting <laughs> right okay because 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 i think i think the, these guys militarized themselves so right. they were also becoming threat to uh, moguls as well uh, no basically it wasn't like the hill rajas were paying taxes to the moguls hmm okay okay so now in their territory the six came uh, i mean were forming a military zone of their own so mm-hmm. military mm-hmm. now the hill rajas attacked or the both side engaged in a battle now the mughal oh. had to make a choice now the mughal were led by the fauzdar of sirhand wazir khan mm-hmm. and by the time mozam had went to kabul he was no longer oh. there at lahore okay so wazir khan took the initiative and he chose to side with the hill rajas who were paying him the taxes so multiple battles were fought and the main thing was to protect the sovereignty their sovereignty at anandpur right the khalsa were right right so they it was, it was a de facto capital of of sikh khalsa, of sikh Sikhism. state of the khalsa of sikhism mm. right mm. so mughal forces were led by the fauzdar of sirhand as i told you wazir khan Mm-hmm. Wazir Khan invested his full might against the Khalsa. While the uh, latter, the Khalsa showed exceptional courage, and a number of them laid down their lives, right. including the four sons of Guru Gobind Singh, who attained martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Right. So, in the early days of 1705, Guru Gobind Singh now had safely moved to Jatpura, while his adversaries were searching for him, along with his. Few, uh, along with his followers, he continued baptizing Sikhs and formed a temporary base at Muktasar. where his men repulsed a mogal army of wazir khan understood now here he decides to write a letter to aurangzeb now this letter is famously known as zafarnama zafarnama hmm. so about the impact of uh, zafarnama kushwan singh writes that aurangzeb was apparently moved by the contents of the letter i am quoting him i am quoting kushwan singh right yeah yeah so or he quotes aurangzeb was apparently moved by the content of the letter and issued orders that the guru was not to be disturbed any further hmm. guru gobind singh proceeded towards deccan to meet aurangzeb but by the time he reached asputana the latter had died so, okay okay so so basically i just want to understand that uh, the fight with wazir khan which hmm. was brewing between uh, sikh people and uh, and moguls uh, it, right. it was it was happening prior to the death of uh, aurangzeb aurangzeb right? okay right. okay Okay. By, by Aurangzeb was invested in Deccan at that point of time. At, at that point of time, hmm, right, fighting the Marathas perennially. Right. Hmm. So it was, uh, it was 1704 or 1705 when mm-hmm. Zir Khan was fighting. By Zir Khan and Sikh were fighting. Sikh were fighting. Hmm. Right. So right. And Hill Rajas were together with Zir Khan. With Zir Khan. Hmm. So so it shows that uh, it, the kind of power dynamics. Which was playing it, it, at that was, time. It was a changing part. Yeah, just it, that uh, the moment the Mughal authority of that zone went from Mozam to Wazir Khan, mm-hmm. things changed. Things changed. So what happened after Aurangzeb's death is that uh, a succession war began. Yeah, right. So, Mozam, who had previously established friendly relations with the Sikhs during his tenure as governor of Lahore, mm-hmm. now Mozam invites Guru Gobind Singh to Agra. The new emperor mm-hmm. welcomes Guru Gobind Singh and. He asks him to accompany him on a campaign to Deccan against Kambaksh, who challenged his success, uh, his succession. Okay, so Kambaksh, so, so Kambaksh was another son of Aurangzeb. 
another son of Aurangzeb. Right? Okay. Hmm. Now, at the same time, Wazir Khan was getting restless as cordial relation between Guru Gobind Singh and now the Emperor Muslim Emperor Bahadur Shah hmm. uh, would have been disastrous for him in future. So he was getting very restless. Right. Now, what happens is that by the end of September 1708, when the Imperial Army of Mughals hmm. halted at Nanded, two assassins attacked Guru Gobind Singh and they wounded him. Oh, right. Right. That famous yeah. attack. Which was happened yeah. on a tent when he was resting in a tent in his right. tent, basically. Hmm. At, at Nanded. At Nanded. So, uh-huh. so the Emperor Mozam sent his royal surgeons who tried to stitch the structure of Sikhism. Hmm. At the same time, protecting uh, their integrity and their not integrity, sorry, their sovereignty hmm. at Anandpur. At Anandpur, hmm, right. right. So that, that became same a de facto, de facto Sikh state at during that time. Right. And exactly. right. So, so we have this famous uh, Panj Pyare concept right. where you know he, he basically baptized uh, five of his devoted followers. Right. Hmm. right, right, right. And I think if I'm not wrong, after his death. Uh, after yeah. when 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 Guru Gobind Singh passed away, uh, uh, we have this man called uh, uh, I'm forgetting Bandha, his name. Bandha, Sorry, Bandha, Bandha, uh, yeah, Banda Bahadur. Yeah, Banda, Banda Singh Bahadur. Yeah, right. uh, uh, fighting like he he again galvanized uh, uh, the Sikhs and then well, take well, a war that, to. That, that, right. I mean yeah. that, that is a that is a whole different story. I mean. Yeah, right. That's a different whole yeah, story. There are, there are several myths regarding him. As well. Oh, okay. Mm. So we, we won't go into that today. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I think I think ending will wait for next episode. We can definitely do it on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that uh, if I can summarize in one line is that uh, we can say Khalsa was not at all aimed at defending Hinduism. Hmm. Right. Right. It was aimed at defending the uh, Sikh faith. Now, what? What was the structure of Sikh faith at that point of time, and how it, how much it is different from today's? That's a different debate. Right, right. Because they right. they also have got many sects right. uh, in, yeah. inside but inside inside the religion. Yeah, but essentially the point is that the whole purpose of Khalsa was to defend Sikh faith. Now, in that defense, they fought against Hindu rajas. In that defense, they fought against the Mughal governors. Hmm. Uh, so. Uh, so it will be so, inaccurate to say. I mean, hmm. it will be completely inaccurate to say that they were fighting for uh, Hindus for, or, or for, for to protect for the Hindus, Hindu hmm. right? For a Hindu cause, like uh, like uh, Chhatrapati Shivaji was fighting. So, hmm, like Chhatrapati Shivaji was fighting. Inaccurate to say. Hmm. Right. 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 I I I agree on this. I basically agree on this. So why you will you know formalize your see the reason why why Guru Gobind Singh formalized. Or gave uh, uh, formalized the structure of the Sikh Panth is because he knew that since the since the days of I think I think fourth or fifth Guru when the right. attacks started happening to the, the okay. followers, of yeah, happened. yeah, persecution of Sikh happened by the hands of Mughals. Uh, uh, they realized that we need a military to save ourselves, and right. ultimately it was Guru Gobind Singh who did that job and and kind of uh, created. The army called Khalsa, basically, who will protect the the Sikhi uh, faith. Right, absolutely. Hmm. 
Okay, thank you Adarsh. Thank you so much for uh, throwing so light on such important events which actually you know uh, contributed and shaped the 17th and 18th century of our country. Uh hope our guest by now would have known on why Khalsa was established and uh, how uh, it helped to formalize the stru- structure of of the Sikh fund. And people also okay. would have understood on how certain myths which have been deliberately propagated by some vested interest uh uh have been broken by others on our podcast uh so others uh, before parting ways uh can you can you please introduce and talk bit about uh, upward uh, for our listeners uh, as we have uh, told earlier i mean in the beginning of the podcast itself yeah Upwards is a knowledge platform that creates uh, videos that are specifically aimed at presenting a civilizational narrative. Mm-hmm. Upwards, every video is fact-based and deeply researched, appealing to the innate logical and truth-seeking instincts of our audience. Okay. And what kind of initiatives are we uh, taking up? Like, what what kind of initiatives Upward is taking up to to further that narrative, uh, which is actually required uh, uh, by a country? So, Uh, we have been raising uh, and actively pursuing causes that hold extreme implications mm-hmm. journey most importantly the cause of freeing hindu temples from state control i would urge all your listeners to please go on youtube and watch our videos and do visit the website that is upward.co sign the petition uh, support us in raising awareness if you like our content donate to our platform and be a part of our journey thank you thank you very much All right others uh, hope listeners will watch these informative videos and also uh, participate in the movement which upward has taken up uh, to free uh, hindu temples from the from the government or state control uh, and i would also request uh, my listeners to please go to the youtube channel uh, watch those informative videos and also you can read uh, some great articles uh, which they release on their magazine called pagita Uh thank you so much guys for listening out and for your valuable time please subscribe to withro watch on spotify google podcast breaker and pocketcast to listen to our interesting episodes thank you and namaste Bye.